Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. What can we do to do the works of God? Everyone is asking this question, even if they don't know it, that discontent inside of you, that longing for something that can't even be articulated. That is, that is the case so often. That sense of a continued inability to find what you're looking for is all indicative of the soul's deep need for God. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the Gospel of Mark. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Mark, chapter 6, verses 35 through 52, in a message titled, The Bread from Heaven. Now, here's Pastor Brian. As I said, I'll record the event of the feeding of the 5,000. But as you read through them, their accounts are all very, very brief. It's through John that we come to realize that this miracle was the backdrop. This miracle was the backdrop for some of the most profound teaching of Jesus about himself. So I want you to turn in your Bible over to the sixth chapter of the Gospel of John. And we're going to look at the story once again, but we're going to look at some of the details that are missed with the other writers. Now, now remember, you know, some people would say that, you know, the Bible is contradictory. And here's the contradiction right here. One guy says that this happened with the feeding of the 5,000. Another guy says that this happened. Uh, there's no contradictions. The synoptics, as they're commonly called, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, their purpose is to give us, you know, they're, they're going through... And th their purpose is just to give us, you know, kind of the overview in some sense of what happened. Kind of the big picture. This is what happened. Jesus fed 5,000 with these, uh, you know, just fish and bread. But it was left to John to give more details about it. So we see that we learn uh, from John, as we already read, that it was a boy who had the five loaves and the two fish that were the initial um, substance for the miracle to take place. But as we look at the Gospel of John, there are three things that I want to just point out to us here in the sixth chapter that I, I think are very helpful for us as we just look at the, the big picture of, of what's happening here. So let me go back to the verses that we read earlier. In John chapter 6, Jesus lifted up his eyes in verse 5, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, and here's the thing that I want us to hear, for he himself knew what he would do. So Jesus is really kind of setting this whole thing up. He says, where can we get bread for them? And the response is, Lord, we, we can't. That's basically what, what Philip says. But, but Jesus says this to test him, it says. 
But Jesus knew what he was going to do. And I want us to just grab hold of this today. Jesus knew what he was going to do. And here what we have is we have a deficit. They are faced with this deficit. Here, here is this multitude of people and they're weary and they're hungry and there's no place or there's not enough money to feed them. What are we going to do? So there, there's a deficit. And Jesus points out the deficit. He lets Philip see the deficit. But then the important words are, but he himself knew what he would do. And this is something that we need to remember. You see, whenever there's a need, a deficit, a problem that arises, did you know that the Lord already knows about it? And did you also know that he already knows what he's going to do? I mean, this is one of those things that if you really let it sink into your heart, this is so comforting. It is such a, a great truth. It's like, you know what? Yeah, that's a problem. But guess what? Jesus already knows what to do. And he does. And, and we need to know that today. And remember, he still does stuff today. He still does miraculous things. And, you know, I have to tell you this from the standpoint of pastoring this church and overseeing this ministry. You know, there are many deficits. And at times I look and I think, wow, Lord. And if for a moment... I forget that the Lord already knows what he's going to do. I can get super stressed out. I can get like, oh, man, what, what, what are we going to do about that? How are we going to fix this? Or what, you know, but then wait a second. The Lord knows what he's going to do. He already knows. So I'm just going to trust him and listen to him and do my best to hear what he's saying and, and respond to that. But know that, you know, we say things like, well, you know, God is in control. Do we really believe that? Is he really in control? Does he really know what he's going to do? Well, he does know what he's going to do. And so Jesus was going to take this deficit and he was going to use it as an opportunity to, pro to provide just beyond anything that they could ask or imagine as the wording is later in the scripture. So he already knows what he's going to do. Now, so let's go on in the story here. So Jesus said to them, you know, to make the people sit down and so forth. And then as John goes on, he tells the whole story, same story, talks about Jesus walking on the water. But then he comes in verse 22 to the following day. So that's what I was saying. This is all the backdrop for these other really important things that are going to transpire. So on the following day, when the people who were standing on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other boat there, except the one which his disciples had entered, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone. However, other boats came from Tiberias near the place where they ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Now listen, 
Jesus answered them and said, most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. So Jesus kind of bust them. You guys are just looking for another meal. That's really what's going on here. But then he says this, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the son of man will give you because God the father has set his seal upon him. So you see, this is the follow-up. This is what's happening now in the context of the feeding of the 5,000. And this word is a word that again is a word for us. Do not labor for the food that perishes because this is the tendency as human beings. This is the tendency to focus on the material to the neglect of the spiritual. And what does Jesus say? It's the food that perishes. And whether it's food that perishes or money or whether it's, you know, just material objects or whatever the case The truth is it perishes. It will perish. And Jesus says, don't labor for that. Don't spend your energy and time for that. But rather for the food that endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal on him. And so Jesus is giving us a priority here. He's showing us this is what you're to labor for. This is what is to be the first and the foremost thing in the hearts and the minds of the people of God. That's us today. So yes, we we have to have food on the table. We have to work. We have to do those things. Yes, of course we do. God wants us to do those things actually. But he does not want those things to be the thing that drives us. He doesn't want that to be the thing that consumes us. He doesn't want that to be the, the ultimate priority in our lives. He wants us to labor for the food that endures to everlasting life. In other words, he wants us to give ourselves to the things of the spirit. And we have to always remember that because we're tempted so often to get pulled in the direction of the food that perishes, so to speak. We're tempted so often to just get pulled in the direction of the material and focusing all of our attention on that. Jesus says, don't do that. Now, thirdly, as we come down into verse 35, this is where Jesus, as I said earlier, he says some of the most profound things about himself in the aftermath of this miracle. And verse 35 is one of those things that he says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. So remember, he fed them all with bread. But now he says, I am the bread of life. Don't labor for that bread that that isn't going to last. Focus on the things of the spirit. Focus on me for I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And those who believe in me will never thirst. This is one of those extraordinary claims of Jesus. You know, seven times in the Gospel of John, Jesus takes and he uses this formula, I am, and then he adds something to it. And when he does that, he's identifying himself with 
the God of, of scripture because it was in Exodus chapter three when Moses said to the Lord, you know, what's your name? The Lord said, my name is I am. And what do I tell Pharaoh and the children of Israel when I go? Tell them I am has sent you. So Jesus takes that to himself seven times in John's gospel. And here's the first place where it occurs. I am the bread of life. And notice what he says. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus is telling us, he's just said, don't labor for the food that perishes. And now he's telling us that he's the one who will fulfill us. He's the one who will satisfy us. He's the one who will satiate us. He's the one who will make our lives full. He's the bread of life. And as the whole thing unfolds and he keeps having this conversation, it ends up turning into a debate because uh, the religious leaders are there and they're opposed to Jesus. And they even say at one point, basically, you know, your miracle of feeding the 5,000, that was nothing. Moses fed the people in the wilderness for 40 years with bread. So you, you just got a little miracle. Why should we listen to you? Jesus says, well, actually, it wasn't Moses who fed your ancestors. It was my father. <laughs> and he's now sent you the bread from heaven. But he says in, in verse uh, 57, and I want to just couple these two verses together, 35 and 57. As the living father sent me, and I live because of my father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. See, this is what Jesus is saying. Those who come to him will never hunger. Those who believe in him will never thirst. And those who feed on him will live. Jesus is saying, I am the one that will bring fulfillment, fullness, contentment, abundance, overflow. I'm the one who will bring that into your life. And so it starts with, he said, whoever believes in me, but then in verse 57, he says, whoever feeds on me. And so as we believed in Jesus, as we put our trust in him, to feed on him means to continue in that relationship with him. And you know, we talk about the importance of being in the Bible encourage you to read your Bible, meditate on your Bible. You know, in many ways, that's, that's where you're feeding on him. That's where you're, like the ancient Israelites, you're, you're gathering that daily manna to sustain you. And we find that as we feed on the Lord, as we just continue to live in communion with him, and as we make that a primary part of our lives, we find that life as Jesus would later say, um, that he, he came to give life and that more abundantly, we find that that is indeed what happens. And so it's those who feed on the bread of life, the bread that came down from heaven. Those are the people who are fulfilled in life. Those are the people who are satiated. Those are the people who are no longer running from thing to thing to thing, trying to find something that's going to bring me contentment, something that's going to bring me fulfillment. See, this is what Jesus came into the world to bring us. This is what God intended. 
because man by nature has a void. That, that's what every single person has. We have a void inside of us because we were made for God, made by God and for God. And until we have a connection with God, there's this void and we don't even know sometimes that it's there, but, but just our experience indicates that that is the case. So one other thing that we see in the passage here that I skipped over, but I want to go back to is found in verses 28 and 29. And we're going to close with this because here's what happens as Jesus is saying all of this stuff, the people said to him, then what shall we do that we may work the works of God? So that's the question. So, so what they're asking, you know, Jesus is telling them laboring for the bread that doesn't perish and all of that. And they're like, okay, what do we do? We want to do this. And, you know, this is a question everyone is asking, even if they don't know it. See, every single person is, they're asking this question, even though they, they, don't, they don't realize it. I can't remember who it was who said this, but it was somebody significant. <laughs> they said, every time a man goes into the house of a prostitute, he's looking for God, but he doesn't know it. See, that's the thing. He doesn't know that he's looking for God, but he's looking for something. He's looking, he's, he's looking for some kind of fulfillment. He's looking for something to, to satisfy that that gnawing sense of emptiness inside. And, and that's really the case. And, and these people are, in a sense, they're expressing that same thing. What can we do to do the works of God? And so everyone is asking this question, even if they don't know it, that discontent inside of you, that longing for something that can't even be articulated, that is, that is the case so often. That sense of a continued inability to find what you're looking for is all indicative of the soul's deep need for God. See, and the, the crazy thing is, you know, people for the most part, they, they just run from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing, trying to find some answer to this dissatisfaction this deep discontent. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. It's true. And that other world is God's world. And it was Augustine who said this, thou hast created us for thyself and our heart is restless until it rests in thee. So they're asking this question, what do we do to do the works of God? Basically, they're asking, how do I find God? How do I know God? How do I please God? And listen to the answer that Jesus gave in verse 29. This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. Wow. That's it. That's the work of God. That's the answer to the question. How do I fulfill the void in my heart? How do I find ultimate 
contentment and, and satisfaction and peace and, and those things. How do I find that? Where do I find it? Jesus said, this is how you find it. And you don't find it by working. You don't find it by working. Now, they thought that that's what you did. They're sensing, okay, Jesus is somebody. Okay, yeah, he's somebody. He's prophet. He's somebody. So, okay, what do we do then? What, what work do we do to, to work the works of God? Jesus said, no, it's not about that. It's about this, that you believe in the one whom he sent. That's how we do the work of God. That's where everything starts. And until we get there, we just continue in that place of laboring for the food that perishes. But once we come and we just do that very thing that he said there, that we believe in him, we put our personal faith and trust in him, that's when we then experience that he is the true bread that came down from heaven to give life to the world. And we begin to experience that life. And we begin to live entirely new lives of purpose and fulfillment and peace and contentment and trust and faith and, and all of those things. And so the feeding of the 5,000 and the opportunity to tell the multitudes, I am the bread of life, Jesus said. Those who come to me will never hunger. Those who believe in me will never thirst. And, and what was true then is absolutely true today. Because that same Jesus who was there at that time around the Sea of Galilee, proclaiming these things. Actually, it was in the Capernaum, uh, synagogue in Capernaum that he said these things. But that same Jesus is alive today. And he's saying the same thing today. I'm the bread of life. If you're hungry, come to me. If you're thirsty, come to me. Man, so many invitations in scripture from Jesus center around those two things, hungering and thirsting, because those two things describe the human experience not just physically, but even more significantly, spiritually. And so, the bread that came from heaven. What do we do? Believe in the one that God has sent. Now let's join Pastor Brian and Cheryl in the studio as they share about this month's resource. So Brian, a lot of people don't know this about you, that you actually love the Elisa Childers podcast. Yes, I do. And Elisa Childers on there, she deals with some of the issues of our time, especially those who are involved with kind of progressive Christianity or taking Christianity in a non-gospel direction. Yes. And her podcast is fantastic, and she has written a book, and the book is called Another Gospel. And yes, progressive Christianity is essentially a Christianity that wants to have the kingdom without the king. They want to leave the hard truths out of the biblical narrative and just sort of have a, 
watered-down kind of a Christianity for today. But they're very persistent and wanting to push this on others as well. So Elisa had an experience in a church where she was subjected to this presentation of progressive Christianity, which caused her to really dig down deep and reestablish her own roots in the faith and then have a passion to talk about this issue. And so she ended up writing this great book called Another Gospel that I would highly recommend. It's going to give you like the up to the moment issues that are being talked about in churches around the country today. And so I highly recommend it. So that's Another Gospel by Elisa Childers with a forward by Lee Strobel. Again, this month's resource is a book titled Another Gospel by Elisa Childers. You can order the book Another Gospel by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book Another Gospel by Elisa Childers to help you wrestle with the idea of progressive Christianity. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with with more valuable valuable insights insights from from Pastor Pastor Brian. Brian as we study together in the Gospel of Mark. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.